This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Bit of a, well, full basketball episode. A uh, bit of a big picture look for those that missed it. The Michigan basketball team won the Big Ten title last night, just their second outright Big Ten title since 1986 and their first Big Ten title since 2014. It's it's a pretty significant accomplishment. I, I don't think it should be undersold as, oh, it's just the regular season. A lot of te- a lot of Michigan teams have come close in the last 35 years, but really only the 2014 team and this team have gotten it outright. Uh, you know, in 2019, they were, you know, one game result away. Uh, same in in a couple times during Jawan Howard's playing career. Uh, there's been a few teams that have been right on the cusp. Uh, 2013 as well, coming basically a, a last-second, you know, ball that kind of hung on the rim, shot away from a Big Ten title, shared Big Ten title that year. So really impressive accomplishment. Uh, they they steamrolled Michigan State. Honestly, I don't know how much we're going to even talk about that game in particular. Uh, certainly the second half defense, the the rebounding difference from from Tuesday night, and then uh, maybe just a little bit more conviction on offense. That would be my quick 10-second summary of the game. But here we're going to look at five ways Juwan Howard built a Big Ten champion. So it's a, it's a preview. I plan on doing a story of a similar topic. A lot of these will be discussed in the story uh, either, either Friday or Saturday this week, but Steve, we can start at the very beginning. So Juwan Howard gets hired. I think, I think results from Michigan fans were, were better than mixed. I, there were certainly some detractors, but I think people quickly kind of saw, okay, he hired Phil Martelli. He, he worked with the Miami heat. This, this is a guy who really knows basketball. Like I think, I think a lot of the people who really um, loved the John Beeline tenure and loved what John Beeline was about, maybe there was some hesitancy, uh, you know, maybe some some curiosity. But you know, by the time he he made his assistant coaching hires, he kept John Sanderson, he kept Sade Washington, brought in Phil Martelli and Howard Isley. You know, that's that's when it started to to pick up a little bit of steam. Same time, I don't think anybody would have said after Xavier Simpson and John Teske are gone, that's when Michigan will win a big 10 championship. And so we'll look at, we'll look at a few of these things, but the thing that stands out the most to me was how similar Juwan Howard runs the program to John Beeline, you know, in terms of the kind of players they recruit uh, the, the, I guess the core values. I mean, most of them are pretty, generically good values for college basketball, but there is, there is a little bit of a Michigan basketball uh, way. I I do think that they are run differently than other programs. And I I think the best thing Juwan Howard did was when, when the coaching change occurred and, and anyone who follows college football or basketball knows this to be true. When coaching changes occur, especially when a popular coach leaves you almost always see players transfer. When Juwan Howard came in, nobody transferred. Now, since then, three players have transferred. Uh, they did after the first season. But to me, I think the, the thing that stands out the most when thinking about how this was built was he convinced Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, Austin Davis, who were halfway through their careers, but also had opportunities to go elsewhere if they wanted to. He convinced them all to stay. And every single one of them got significantly better in the two years since. And so last night when they were doing the senior night, that's, that's what stood out to me is like, you know, a lot of coaches might've said to, especially to Austin Davis and Eli Brooks, like, Hey, um, you know, I know John Beeline liked you, but we think we're going to go in a different direction. A lot of coaches, uh, you know, might have 
might have taken Isaiah Livers, for example, for granted. Uh, but Juwan Howard called, I think it was Juwan Howard's first call after he got the job was to Isaiah Livers. And, and you know, just building that trust with that senior class, you know, I, I, we, we don't know how things would have looked if he hadn't done that, but, but watching last night, watching all season, I mean, they have a, they have a group of seniors and we'll talk about the transfer seniors in a moment, but they have a group of seniors that are really um, fundamental to this team's success. And so Juwan Howard's ability to build trust immediately, uh, you know, to the point where, where literally nobody transfers. I think that is the, it might not get discussed as much as some of the more immediate changes and adjustments he made, but that might be the biggest thing is because, because beeline tenure was fantastic. I mean, they were coming off a sweet 16 appearance. They were a game away from um, a big 10 regular season and tournament title. I mean, the, the, the program was in full speed. And I think some coaches might've said, I want to do it my way. He said, I want to do it the best way. And I think he made some sacrifices and he made sure to build those players trust. So I guess my question is, uh, well, I don't really know how to <laughs> how to phrase that into a question, but but what what were your early impressions when uh, Juwan Howard was hired and he was kind of building building the foundation while using a lot of John Beeline parts? What was your impression of that? I mean, I think there was a lot of enough a high enough level of respect and trust in how Beeline ran his program for Howard to maybe take a step back and say. You know, there's no need for a full reset here uh, there because there really wasn't. Like you said, the program was in really good shape at the time. Beeline's departure was unexpected when he did depart. You know, it's not as if it was a poor run that led to a mutual separation, anything like, you know, any right. that type of deal. Right. So I think, you know, yeah, I think it was a situation where you take a step back, put your own fingerprints on the program, but also understand that you can still win basketball games with the, the roster that you have. Uh, and that, and yeah, that, that whole meshing, because just think about the makeup and the, the, just the, well, just the roster on paper of this year's team, you have how many holdovers from beeline, you mm-hmm. have a couple senior transfers who have made a huge impact and you have young talent, you know, like Wagner, who was technically a beeline recruit, but that was Juwan Howard's really his first recruiting win. If I remember right, was keeping Franz Wagner uh, well, he he was on his official visit the day Beeline left. Right. So he was not committed. Now, I do think it was one of those things where Michigan would have had to give him a reason not to commit. But he he was looking at the pros. You know, he was I mean. looking that, at pro were, opportunities. Yeah, they weren't recruiting against like uh, Duke or Kentucky. Yeah, it was, right, like, it was right. pros or, or college. And still uh, had to do Juwan Howard still had to do the recruiting part. And he had absolutely. to convince, I think, Mo Wagner just as much as Franz because Franz right. was kind of like, I trust you, Mo. You just became a first-round pick. If you think Michigan's the right place and is still going to be the right place for me, then I'll commit. And so he had to he had to recruit Mo a little bit too. I remember talking. I think Mo came back to uh, did like an autograph signing or something, and he was kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, no, like he's he's really put a lot of effort to to let me know how things are going to go." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, he's he's doing a double recruiting job there." Right. So, you know, and then. And then now, you know, going forward, I think, you know, we see they have the number one recruiting class coming in in the country next year. Uh, really, from a big picture standpoint, he handled the transition about, I think, about as well as you could have. And we're seeing the results of that, right? Because now he's doing the one thing that we, you know, when he was first hired, I, to me, I was really surprised that people who didn't think he'd be able to recruit, I thought that was an odd just because he's younger, he he played and then coached guys like LeBron and Wade. Were in people Miami. saying he couldn't recruit, were, not, or were they could, saying he couldn't. wouldn't want to? Um, I don't remember. I mean, I don't want to mention anybody specifically. I know sure. there were a couple takes that were just questioning the level that he could recruit uh, again, which was maybe that wasn't the majority opinion at the time. I just remember that was the first thing I thought when he got hired was, well, we know he'll be able to recruit you know, especially after his opening presser, you see the passion mm-hmm. he had for Michigan. Uh, that was evident. And we already knew that, but like just to see that on display, knowing he is the coach now was, you know, was eye opening. Um, and then now, yeah, like I said, we're seeing it. I mean, they just signed the number one class in the country. They're possibly 
turning down top 100 players uh, in 22. You know, it's like the level of recruiting has gone way, way up, you know, and Beeline was able to do it his way. Uh, but like I said, he Howard, I think, knew enough to keep the good parts, not just the players themselves, because I don't like you said, nobody transferred, but just the, the keep the good parts of the culture. Uh, and and then again, kind of start to slowly transform it into what he sees um, as the future, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I've said this a couple times this year, but you know, you think about it, Big Ten champions, we'll see how they do in the Big Ten tournament, which whatever. NCAA tournament way more important uh we'll see how they do there but like I said then you're bringing in the number one recruiting class in the country next year I mean it's it's been a lot of good times to be or a lot of times lately to be excited to be a Michigan basketball fan but this is this is way up there um yeah so yeah I was gonna say um a lot of people try to do like oh who who did that a couple someone a couple weeks ago did something like Jawan Howard brought Michigan back oh no it was the Fox broadcast last last Saturday it's like Michigan fans haven't been this excited since 1993. And like, that was just not true. I mean, they've been to two championship games. I mean, for a seven year stretch under beeline, Michigan was among the top five in championship game appearances, final fours, elite eight, sweet 16s, first round NBA draft picks. And I think they might've been in the top 10 in overall wins as well. So it's, uh, it's erroneous to act like this was a turnaround job for for Jawan Howard. I mean, again, that's one of the, the worst, that was one of the worst takes like, yeah, it just this, shows that you're not paying attention. Right. I think, Oh, it was, um, Kendrick Perkins. Mm. I think on Twitter was one that said Michigan basketball's back or something. It's like, what? Like from last week, like, I, that's why I was like, <laughs> from yeah, from when, you know, so I was, but yeah, that, that was a garbage, some garbage. Yeah. It's, I mean, it just shows that you're not paying attention and, and some people just don't pay attention until it's like, a famous name because Juwan Howard is a more well-known name than John Beeline is probably even now still. Um, so it's, so yeah, I think he, I think I, I just personally, I think some coaches would have looked and said, I want to do it my way. And maybe, maybe Juwan Howard's way. I, I do think it's similar to John Beeline. Like I think they're very uh, similar in what kind of basketball they want to win with. But I think a lot of coaches, maybe would have let the ego get in the way said, no, I want my own strength and conditioning coach or no, uh, you know, I want a full staff of my, my own assistants. And, uh, you know, maybe I, I saw a couple players that I really want to try to bring in and, you know, Jawan Howard didn't really look at it that way. Uh, so that really helped, I think, streamline things. You know, there was really, I mean, last season's team was not as good, but they were still probably top 25, um, you know, it was just a bit of a rebuilding year anyways, because I don't think they had, they didn't have someone like Hunter Dickinson. They didn't have, you know, Franz Wagner fully developed or Isaiah Livers in his senior year. Um, but yeah, he, he kept things about as steady as you can imagine. And then he starts to build his culture. And as we kind of alluded to, I don't think the culture is like completely different than what John Beeline was building. But this gets talked about by players all the time. Honestly, to the point where as a reporter, I'm kind of like, oh boy, another culture quote. Uh, but but there is a lot to it. And I think, you know, we've, we've picked the players' brains all season about kind of what this culture means. And they mention there's a lot of love in the building. You know, if, if, he, if Juwan's mad at you or, or yelling at you, they, the players, they never feel attacked. You know, they never feel like it's personal. They feel like it's it's almost like a like a family member mad at you and they're just trying to make you better. And so so I think Jawan Howard, I mean, you could tell, Steve, I don't know if you were able to see the the video I, I got of senior night last night. It's over at the Michigan Insider.com and Michigan.247sports.com if if our listeners want to see it. But the way Jawan Howard talked about every single player, it was like he sounded like a dad whose son just like graduated with a 4.0 from college. Like he was just like beaming with pride every single step of the way. And, and so um, I think that's a big part of it. I think the, the fact that Jamon Howard, I think he's, it stinks from a reporter's perspective. I think he's very good about never 
speaking negatively about his players, especially individual players. Every once in a while, like that Illinois loss, he said, you know, he said it looked like a horror film. Um, you know, he was he was a little harsh on his team after that loss. But, but I remember last season, players would be slumping. He'd be like, I don't see a slump. And we'd be like, well, he's like two for his last 33 pointers. And he'd be like, I don't see a slump. Uh, so I think he's, you know, he treats he treats the players like I think he always wanted to be treated as a coach. And so I think that's a big part of the culture. Um, certainly doesn't hurt that they have nine seniors. I, I don't think you'll ever see a team honor nine seniors on senior night ever again uh, at Michigan or anywhere. I, that's just incredible to me including five who are in the rotation, but um, you know, so he has, he has some experience, but it really just seems like this team is so um, accountable and conscientious and, and uh, you know, there's, there's some probably some cliches about how together they look, but, but Steve, my question for you, you what you've watched on TV, how much do you see that culture honestly pour out into the games and like the little shots on the bench and everything, because I, you know, I think Michigan's had a pretty good culture for a few years, but it really, it's really hard not to look at this team and think, man, this is a, this is about as connected and as bought in of a group as you'll, you'll ever see in sports period. Uh, so I guess I'm curious your perspective, watching the, the games on TV, how much have you seen that? Or what are some examples of that that you've seen so far this season? Honestly, it's not so much about seeing it as, as hearing it when the game is just being played. Uh, you know, you're hearing more. I, I, now, I could be totally wrong here, but I feel like teams are sort of picking up on what how Michigan's bench is during games because I think you're seeing other teams that are, like, being really excited the whole time. But, like, Michigan's bench, it, they're, they're making noise, like, the whole game. Not, yeah. just, when, not just when somebody hits a three – not just when somebody dunks or, you know, and wondering like, like they're making noise the whole game. And yeah, I mean, and that's everybody too, not just like the guys who are, you know, it's not as it's not a role that guys who aren't playing are doing. I mean, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's Shawnee Brown, um, Hunter Dickinson on the bench, like any guy that when they're on the bench, they're participating. Uh, I know it was actually the, one of the first things mentioned on the ESPN, the halftime show, Yesterday, one of the analysts saying, you know, I can hear Michigan's players like chanting defense while mm-hmm. Michigan is on the defensive end, you know, and he's like, you don't see that very much or, or even something along those lines. But uh, just, yeah, I mean, it's it's another more tangible sign of of the cohesion and, and just the bond that this team from top to bottom. I mean, how many examples, you know, do we need to see for us, for, you know, anyone to understand that this team is close and that that starts at the top. I mean, the, all the celebration stuff from yesterday, um, you know, Juwan Howard, the Chaudy Brown thousandth point video from a few weeks ago, you know, just like we've seen so many examples. And the other thing too, is that outside of, we'll just say the game against Illinois, they, they laid an egg there. Nobody's having fun, but they're having fun when they're out there too. Mm -hmm. Uh, That includes Howard when he's not, work on the refs like every coach is going to, but having fun, see Howard joke with like opposing players and stuff on the sidelines, like taking the ball out. Like, it's just like, there is a, an element of fun to the whole thing too, uh, for the program. So I think you see that, you know, and I think, I think in a lot of ways that may be designed to keep them loose, you know, and allow them to play loose, you know, in, in situations where maybe they wouldn't normally. So, but no, I mean, you, you can hear it. I, I always, more it's striking when you hear it, you know, cause you really, you only see it when something good happens. You only see the bench shots when something good happens uh, just from the TV standpoint, but right. you, you can hear it uh, throughout. And I always think that's kind of cool, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, I, it, it, the team must feed off of it. You know, that's why I'm assuming that's why they continue to do it. And right. <laughs> you know, true. So, so yeah. <laughs> So those are, those are a lot of great examples. The one I would add is I don't remember. I think it was against Oakland and, and I think it, it was caught on film a little bit, but I don't know if everyone saw all of it. So Isaiah livers is having a rough game. He comes off the court. He gets into kind of a, a, 
a yelling match with Jawan Howard and, and sits on the bench. And I, what I don't think was shown was like a minute or two later, or maybe I think it was like the next time out uh, Isaiah livers comes up and he puts his arm around Jawan Howard. And, and, you know, I'm not a good lip reader. It didn't sound like it was like a fun conversation between the two, but I think the fact that, that, I mean, one credit to livers for not, Power. I mean, you know, the players are a big part of this, but I do think Juwan gets the main credit for establishing this, that like you can yell at somebody and then two minutes later understand the bigger picture because Michigan went on to win that game. I, I don't think their season is viewed too differently if they lose that game, uh, but obviously, you know, it's, it's the worst opponent they played all year and, and it took overtime to win. So you know, I think I think there's just even in the low moments, I think they're they're viewed differently than they were under Beeline. Because I, I will say, as as great as Beeline was in terms of building culture, building character, developing talent, you know, he he kind of had a little bit of that old school hard on players bit, and you know, he would make jokes about how uh, you know Xavier Simpson hated him freshman year and wanted to transfer and wanted to leave, and and you know. Players loved playing under Beeline. This is not to suggest the contrary, but I do think there was an element of there were times where Beeline was a little bit of like the enemy to the players and they had to like overcome, you know, their frustrations to, to be successful. And and we'll see how this continues with Joan Howard because we, we've only seen two seasons, but it, it does feel like there's a little bit of a um, of a newer school approach where, you know, maybe he yells, maybe he, I mean, he's obviously intense. But there is a way to coach the best out of players without the negativity. And I, I think he's kind of embraced that. And, and I do think there is a little bit of a credibility standpoint, like, like in terms of like getting players to run stairs or do homework or, you know, spend extra time watching film or whatever. I do think it helps when it's a 19 year NBA vet. Uh, you know, he's able to say, hey, I played with LeBron and LeBron did this or, hey, I, you know, I played with Dwayne Wade and he did this or um, I mean, he's played with tons of Hall of Famers. I'm sorry. Those are the only two that I <laughs> used as an example. But but even early on in his career, I mean, you know, some of the players he was playing with, he's able to reference them. And so I do think that helps a little bit in establishing the culture. But I, I also think he's just a very positive, loving person. And I think that that is. I mean, I think he's coaching the way he wants to coach and the way he wanted to be coached as a player. So a um, couple schematic things. I mean, you mentioned Shondi Brown, uh, him and Mike Smith. I think Michigan hit the transfer portal lottery harder or better than anybody else in the entire country. Now, I don't have I haven't done the research on every transfer, but. You know, I can't think of a team that that filled two voids at badly needed to fill in the transfer portal with players who who were so selfless and to, to take on lesser roles on better teams but also just fit the schematic side of things like a glove I mean it's I think it's a lot of teams in the country that lost starting point guards last season that are looking at Mike Smith like man that was that was a mistake on our part not going harder after him I think and, Michigan I think Michigan played one of those teams yesterday I, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't cover Michigan state. I don't know the ins and outs, but I do think they would be a very, very, or they would be a better team with Mike Smith as kind of a go-to experienced uh, distri- distribution, heavy point guard. I mean, I think he would fit them really well. And I think Maryland's another team. I there's, there's a bunch in the country. It's not, but you're right. They played one last night and, you know, Michigan lost Xavier Simpson and, you know, I, I don't think Eli Brooks would have been a catastrophe at point guard. I mean, he's Michigan does pretty well when he's running point, but Smith is a, is an expert, expert addition. And I, I do think that's a really good approach by Juwan Howard to, to be really blunt and honest about your needs instead of saying, well, Eli Brooks can fill it or, Oh, we've got Zeb Jackson coming in. You know, if you see someone that can make your team better, go get them. And same with Shondi Brown. I, I think they, they needed kind of a two guard that, that, that could be different than Franz Wagner, different than Eli Brooks. 
uh, somewhere in between height wise might be good as well, just for matchups and everything. And, and, you know, Brown, I, I think that was another great find. Now he was someone that I think, I mean, both these transfers were like highly rated in the transfer rankings, but um, you know, I guess, I guess quick little stories. I think Jawan Howard's time at the heat actually helped him win the Mike Smith recruitment because Smith, his mentor is Jimmy Butler, uh, who, who didn't play under Howard, but, but kind of learned about Howard's impact and, and the culture that they built with Miami. And then ironically, Shondi Brown, I think there's a lot to like about Michigan. This didn't seal the deal, but one thing that helped Michigan on the recruiting trail is one of the outgoing transfers, Colin Castleton, actually recommended Jawan Howard in Michigan and said, you know, he really thinks that'd be a good fit for Shondi Brown. The two both kind of played AAU ball in Florida, um, at least know each other a little bit. I don't know if they're close or anything, but like that's that's wild to me that Jawan Howard's former job and one of the players on his way out of the program <laughs> actually led to these transfers coming in. But but Steve, what does it say to you? I mean, there's a lot of transfer portal additions. I think it's bigger in basketball than it is in football. But what does it say to you that that Michigan pretty good last season, but now they are great and they have two transfers largely to thank for that. I think again, it's an awareness that having, which they wouldn't have been, but having a roster, like the most talented roster does not win the NCAA tournament. Uh, really could say that often. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's an element of, yeah, of experience and yeah, guys embracing defined roles that goes a long, long ways uh, in the, in the game, in college basketball. And Michigan, yeah, I mean, you can't measure the value uh, of either of those guys. Matter of fact, I think, you know, you watch Smith last night. You see how Smith played against Illinois. I think an argument could be made that Mike Smith is one of Michigan's two or three most important players. Uh, just in the way that his – how he plays seems to dictate Michigan's success on the offensive end more than anybody else except for maybe Franz. Um or Dick, I mean, maybe Dickinson, right. Either way, Smith's right up there. And then Brown is, I don't know if he's the backbone of the team, but like, there's just, there's that other element that he brings uh, of the enthusiasm, the energy on and off the floor. We've talked about it a lot, but those are two elements that a, you know, five-star freshman, let's say, may not be capable of bringing to the table, right? Mm -hmm. Or would even choose to. You know, a lot of these, the highly, highly ranked guys, just this is a one-year deal for them. Uh, get in and get out. But, yep. Right? So for Michigan, I think that was that's another area of it, which again, I mean, guys that are transferring are mostly upperclassmen, at least. Well, maybe, I don't know what the statistics are, but more often than not, you are adding a guy who's been in the college game a couple of years. So it's, I don't think it's necessarily that they knew they would be getting everything that they've gotten with these guys. But yeah, I mean, you talk about, yeah, Mike Smith's a guy now. I think, yeah, there's probably 20 or 30 teams in the country that are thinking, man, we could have, <laughs> maybe you could have had this guy if we'd, you know, push for him or whatever. But, you know, that's so those, yeah, those two have been you know, just, yeah, it's such a key part of just the overall team success, even when like, and that's why I say, especially Brown in particular, Smith, I think statistically is more, has his game is more, uh, how do I say it? Tied to his statistical output, I suppose, but Brown just like is a lot of the intangibles as well. Although he's mm -hmm. a guy who can play, you know, I mean, what he's had, he's scored in double digits at least a handful of times this year and been their leading scorer in a couple games, right? So it's just, it's another area of that mix that we talked about, you know, which Michigan was already a pretty veteran team overall this year, top to bottom. You know, we've seen Dickinson really the only true that has made a real impact. Uh, you know, and well, adding, Franz Wagner is the only teenager. Right. In well, the rotation. Yeah, exactly. So, 
you know, it's, it's, was it going to be a veteran team anyway, but bringing in, and that's the other thing I think we talked about this a long time ago, particularly with, I don't know. I don't know how Columbia was where they weren't any good in the Ivy. Were they? No, they were like the worst in the Ivy. Right. These guys are getting their first taste of like winning. And that is another area where it can, that can like for maybe guys who, you know, livers, what livers, Brooks, they've played in a national championship game. Yep. Uh, they've been there already. Not saying that that takes away from, you know, they know how to, they know what it takes to get there. So of course that, you know, but guys like, like Brown and Smith who are obviously on the back half of their college careers, if not nearing the end of their college careers are getting their first taste of like, Hey, like we could, like, I might actually get some hardware <laughs> out of this, you know, that, that, that's another area where these, those two in particular can really, you know, cause they've been on the other end way more yeah. often than they have been on this end. Right. So yeah, I think that's another area where having two guys, two veterans who are learning and getting that feeling of winning, thinking, I want to keep this feeling going, you know, that can really, really help. And I think, and we'll see, I mean, cause we don't know, but could really help in a, in a must win type situation, you know, as it'll be fascinating to see how those guys play in the NCAA tournament because, you know, because of that idea alone. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, and just like the hatred of losing too. you mentioned, you know, I, I think the players have said how positive those two are. Mike Smith's kind of the jokester. Shawnee Brown's just like the constantly smile. I think you see it in games on the TV broadcast too, but just like hit both of their positivity have been mentioned. And I don't remember who mentioned it, but someone said something along the lines of, and they also like, I think it was after the Minnesota loss you know, they, they kind of their hatred for losing returned, I guess, you know, because like they've lost a ton. I mean, Wake Forest wasn't any good. They fired their coach. Columbia was the worst team in the Ivy league. Um, I want to say Mike Smith never won more than 12 games at Columbia. And so in a, in a season. And so, you know, that, that sits with you, you know, you, you, you get flashbacks and maybe not, you know, trauma is too strong of a word, but, but it certainly is something that, that you'll remember. And so I think I think that's a big part of it. As far as transfers overall, I uh, got to think this is a best-case scenario for Michigan because now every year they can go identify who they think are the two best transfers and say, look what we did, look what you can do. You know, this was pretty cool for, for Shawnee Brown and Mike Smith. You can be next. I uh, got to think they'll do pretty well in the transfer portal, um, especially if they – you know, make it to a final four or anything like that this season. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it says a lot that they were that the self-assessment of the team was honest enough that they said, let's get some transfers, you know, and, and let's get, let's get the transfers that, that they ended up getting, um, you know, cause I think, I do think there were others that they considered. I think there were a couple transfers. I can't, speak to a specific one, but I, I kind of caught wind a couple times of, of transfers that were heavily interested in Michigan and, and were heavily interested by a lot of high major programs and Michigan kind of, they didn't say no, but they didn't, they weren't takes, I guess, is the recruiting, the recruiting philosophy is I, I think Michigan was a little more lukewarm on them. Whereas like Brown and Smith were two players that they, they zeroed in on and were, and were all about, uh, the other thing, personnel-wise, that I think changes this team from a top 25, top 30 team to a top five team is how Jawan Howard has proven himself as a big man developer. You know, he, for those who don't know, he's very hands-on coaching that position. That's kind of his his forte at this point. Uh, you know, Hunter Dickinson, he does one-on-one -on -one film sessions with the nights before games. You know, he's, he's constantly, he'll go up against Dickinson in practice and in drills, uh, you know, maybe not every time, but um, you know, he's a very hands-on coach and, and I don't think with Austin Davis can be overlooked either. You know, Davis has, has figured out how to play with what he has skill-wise, you know, his pivots, uh, you know, kind of the going under, going under Kofi Coburn uh, the other day. I thought that was, you know, that that's, that's developing talent. You know, no one's doing that move in high school. And so, um, and, and Austin Davis, I don't think was doing that move 
under Beeline. And so I think his the mentorship development role he's taken with Michigan centers, that saved Michigan's season. Because if Michigan, you know, they lost John Teske, they lost Colin Castleton to the transfer portal. I mean, if Dickinson isn't Big Ten freshman of the year, I don't know if Michigan's winning a Big Ten title, personally. Um, you know, and if Davis isn't able to help out here and there, and they really have no depth, you know, I'm just not, I'm not sure what Michigan looks like this season. So um, I don't know if there's a, there's a ton more to say on, on Michigan center development, but, but Steve, your thoughts on, on what Michigan has been able to do with the center position under Juwan Howard. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I mean, that's Dickinson, you know, it was a guy I think we thought would have some kind of impact. Right. But I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's we nowhere near what they've gotten out of him. Yeah. I think we thought before the season, he'd be one of the top three or four freshmen in the big 10. Cause he was a good recruit. I mean, this Absolutely. is not, this is not some nobody. He's seven foot one, you know, 44, 44th in the, um, in the rankings as a recruit. But right now he's looking like one of the top one, two, or three freshmen in the entire country. Right. At a position of what I, I wouldn't say like of scarcity in the college game. Right. I mean, how many, like how many teams has Michigan played this year in even in conference where they didn't really have anybody that could, could check him, you know? Right. Uh, so last night, Exact per- I mean, last night was a perfect example. It feels like that's been more of the norm. You know, I was like, really, Coburn physically the only one who's been able to kind of make him really uncomfortable? Because even on the defensive end, you know, I don't, I don't think Garza really was. You know, Trav- Travion, I think, I know Travion didn't make a lot of shots. Like, I think he was six for 19, just like Garza. But but Dickinson was limited defensively in that. Sure. Year. Yeah. Either, either way, but just few and far between, right? So, you know, to, to have a guy... And to develop in that, I mean, because we can't assume that he came in as the product that he is now. There's no way that's the case, uh, as good as he could have been. Because the, the, his style of play is, it's more it's more complicated than letting a, an elite athlete out-athlete other guys, mm-hmm. as far as a freshman goes. You know what I mean? Like, there's nuances to a post-game that make you better that, that you, you know, have to work at and improve at to become more effective. And it's clear that, you know, in a lot of ways he's, cause he, I mean, he, you, I mean, it's clear he's for the most part has in, has improved as the season has gone on. Cause you got to think as the seasons continued, more and more teams have film on him. They know what his, ten, they know what his tendencies are or what his tendencies were. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, a pitcher first time in the lineup mm-hmm. as the second time in the lineup is a little more difficult because they kind of know what you're about, you know, and I, I feel like that's similar in Dickinson's situation. And again, he's had his periods where he struggled, but I mean, I, I again, to, for him to have sustained that success that we were seeing early on and, and continue to be, yeah, one of the, definitely one of the best players in the conference uh, is impressive. And it does ask go to coaching, uh, you know, we know Saudi Washington, also a good, good post coach, a guy who's definitely going to be a future head coach. We'll probably have a couple schools. Yeah. It might be sooner than later. Right. And so, you know, he gets credit as well, but we know that Jawan specifically has worked a lot with Dickinson and, and just, it's hard not yeah. to notice the impact uh, that that's had for sure. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Saudi has kind of moved more toward the, 
wing forward coaching actually, because, because Howard is able to take such an ownership. I mean, Beeline could not coach that position and he would tell you that that's not a fault on him. He's just not that he never played it. Um, he hasn't, you know, he didn't play it in the NBA for 19 years. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's key. Cause if you had asked me before the season, what's the biggest question mark on this team, it would have been the center position. You know, there's a lot of talk about the point guard, a lot of talk about replacing Xavier Simpson, but, but I felt like between Brooks Smith and maybe even Zeb Jackson, the odds that someone was going to emerge as a good point guard, I think were a lot higher so the certainty that Michigan would have what it needs at center to win a big 10 title, because it's one thing to be a good team. It's another thing to, to, you know, raise banners and, and earn some hardware. And I think the difference is some of those little things like, like really maximizing what Hunter Dickinson can accomplish in college. Because again, I wrote a feature story about him before he played a game. This was not someone that we were sleeping on, but I don't know if anyone saw what, what he's done this season coming. Uh, the final, the final uh, thing that I'm thinking of, and, and you're welcome to have a different one, Steve, but, but I wrote this down. I, Juwan Howard, I mean, the whole team is full of glue guys. Glue guys, for those who don't know, are like, it's a, it's a college, college basketball thing that's like makes the rest of the team better, um, you know, keeps, keeps everything going. And, and Eli Brooks is definitely a glue guy. Shondi Brown Jr. is definitely a glue guy. Feels like Isaiah Livers, Mike Smith, you know, Franz Wagner. And I mean, it seems like the whole team is glue guys, but watching the past few games and the post-game celebration last night and, and just watching how Juwan Howard is around his players, he's the glue guy. You know, I, I'm looking in like, you know, when Mike Smith draws a charge, he's sprinting on the court to help him up. Uh, you know, when someone... When someone makes a big three or scores their first points in a while, you know, Jawan Howard's the loudest one. And, and it's just really fascinating to watch because I think a lot of, a lot of player coaches in college basketball struggle. They struggle to, you know, and this was maybe the, the criticism about Jawan Howard initially where it came from is a lot of players turned coaches they struggle to develop the talent. They struggle sometimes to identify the talent because in, in recruiting, it's a lot different than drafting, you know, recruiting. Sometimes you got to watch someone's like iPhone camera that has like 10 views on YouTube to find out, you know, what a player looks like in games. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of pitfalls. There's, I mean, it is more X's and O's heavy than being a player is even at the highest level. Uh, and so there's lots of, lots of little things that that you have to adjust and and then there's also the element of how does someone who's made over 100 million dollars in their career relate to players who are not getting paid a dime you know they're getting the scholarship uh but they're not they're amateur athletes and and I think Jawan Howard that's where he is the perfect fit for this job because I think you know I didn't watch too much of his career um you know I I I understood you know, I, I wasn't watching every game, so I don't know if he was like this as a player, but seems like reading different accounts, it, it does sound like he is. And he was that glue guy. I mean, he was he was the selfless guy who would make the sacrifice, who was always really energetic, had a lot of positive energy. You know, understood the bigger picture more often than many of us do, you know, when we get upset or, or, or get mad or or get frustrated, things like that. Um, and yeah, watching the past couple games, I guess thinking about like how Michigan went from pretty good program year in year out to arguably their best regular season in in history. If they win on Sunday, they will finish with the best winning percentage in Michigan basketball regular season history. Now, the postseason is how you get remembered, but I do think the regular season has to be remembered in some capacity too. I mean, outright Big 10 title in year 2. And, and one that I think I, I, I got to think, I don't know how the fans feel, but I got to think this is the easiest Michigan team to root for in since 1997 with the football team. I mean, the, the, the likability factor is off the charts. And I, I think that starts with Juwan Howard. I think he, he manages to be the glue guy, even though he's the coach. 
And that's a li- we talked about the culture. So I, there's some parallels there, but, but to me, that's what really stood out. Steve, I don't know if that's your fifth element or if you have a different one, but thinking about how Juwan Howard built a, a big 10 champion and what seems to be a very sustainable championship culture at Michigan, what, what else stands out to you? Well, wasn't he the, he was the first commitment in the fab five, right? He was, he was the other, he was the guy that helped build that class. He was like the, uh, the JJ McCarthy, you know, for a more, well, just the guy (laughs) that put on the, the guy that the, yes, he was a big timer in high school. You know, he's a big time high school prospect. Well, and real quick, I don't mean to cut you off, but the story with Juwan Howard's recruitment was, you know, it was, it was really, I mean, it was his grandmother and then uh, Donnie Kirksey who, who passed away this. I mean, those were the only two, I mean, it was a very like high character recruitment. He wasn't doing the, he was, it wasn't a flashy thing. You know, there weren't hats on the table. It wasn't anything like that. It was, it was very much which coaches are going to take the best care of me and treat me like family. So, I mean, he's always been about that, which I assume is where you're going with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michigan won their recruitment because I think the, I think one of their two assistant coaches saw Juwan Howard in, in 30 straight days in the evaluation period. I mean, they, you know, this was someone that they knew could change their program and, and ultimately did, but anyway, continue with your point. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was the gist of the rest of my point as far as he, oh. like, well, that he could take, but that, that he, it's like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's in his, is in his blood, but like, it's, that's obviously a part of him, you know, to be a guy that didn't only, wasn't only the first guy to, to commit as part of that class, but then actively worked these other at the time, you know, all like, we know how ballyhooed all five of those guys, you know, all big time national name recruits and stuff uh, to work, to try to bring that group together. Uh, you know, it's just, just to, obviously a, somebody who has a knack for being able to personally connect. Yeah. He's gifted in that regard. Right. And so that can apply. Like you could almost argue that it, that those types of traits are more important in basketball than maybe any other sport, as far as team building goes, that cohesion, because it's a smaller group of guys, usually a smaller group of guys within that group of guys are the guys that are playing the bulkier minutes uh, there's just such an emphasis on a true team concept. Uh, I think that the best teams, especially at the college level, have had. And, uh, you know, he's he's obviously very good at building connections with people, making them feel important and worth, you know, something to the, the program. I think another example is the C.J. Baird uh pointing to CJ Baird in the crowd after I can't remember what game it was with the Ohio first, state game. Yeah. yeah. You know, first thing he did after the game was over was point up to the crowd to CJ Baird. I mean, it's just little things like that, that we've been able to pick up over the course of the year that say like, you know, like we said, a lot of culture building, a lot of, you know, everyone buying in, but also just a, an ability to connect. You know, you said, you mentioned, he met, talked to ever about every player at length. Uh, not everybody. That's not, you know, many can do it. Some can do it, but like, it's just, you know, he also has a way of it feeling genuinely personal too, not just, you know. Yeah. Oh, it it felt genuine. Yeah. Spitting facts about guy, you know, like reading off of a Wikipedia page uh, (laughs) about a guy or whatever. So, you know, I think that that has also gone a long way. So next year, what I'm fascinated to see uh, is how, he can apply how this will apply. These same traits will apply next year, not to start talking about next year. It's still a long way to go this year, but how this applies next year when you are bringing in some of the same five-star type talents that Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina have been bringing in. How do you get those guys? Now, Caleb Houston to me is the perfect fit for Michigan next year. Style wise, mm-hmm. his game and his style. I mean, I've read reports on Caleb Houston saying that he's maybe too self unselfish at <laughs> points. That's going to be such a perfect fit uh, for them because that's, you know, we've seen how, you know, one of Michigan's best assets, just strictly from a basketball standpoint, are guys making the extra pass. Uh, there's just, it's, it's innate. 
in that offense to make the extra pass when it's available. And, uh, but either way, that's one aspect down the road. I'm really fascinated to see is, you know, the, the, these big time guys are bringing in next year, how they can kind of keep that whole idea, uh, you know, that, that, that culture, this culture, we've talked so much about how they can keep that together with a whole different cast of guys and, and guys that we know aren't initially planning on being around uh, for ever and not even multiple years. Right. So, uh, but no, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. It, I, I can, I can definitely see why fans are so excited about this team and, and, and you bring up a good point about next year. I mean, if they're losing nine seniors, maybe a, one or two come back uh, taking up them up on that extra year. But if you're losing nine seniors, that means you have nine new play. you know, some of them will be walk-ons, but think about last night's game. And, and frankly, I don't mean to come off as too blunt here, but I think Franz Wagner has gone too. And so suddenly you're looking at pretty much the entire team. Uh, and, and we don't know what Hunter Dickinson's going to do. My, my guess would be he sticks it out for another year, but, but I'm not positive um, way too soon for that stuff. So it will be interesting. We'll learn a lot about Jawan Howard's culture and his coaching ability and his development next year. Um, just because you do expect a lot of this team will be gone, but this team that, that is currently there right now, I mean, they have everything in front of them. They will be the one seed in the big 10 tournament. I don't really think they'll lose their one seed in the NCAA tournament. You know, so they will be there. It's projected. They will have a fantastic remainder of the month. Now we'll obviously that stuff can, can change at any time. Any, everyone who's watched the NCAA tournament loves it for that reason. Uh, but what a memorable team for year two for Jawan Howard to, to win a big 10 regular season title in a year that was obviously tough for a lot of teams, but you know, they had the, they had the lengthy layoff. They had, um, you know, they, I mean, they played two road games on holidays. I know that might seem small, but to the players, that's, that's not nothing. I mean, there, it's very easy to sleepwalk through those kinds of games. Um, you know, and, and in a year where the big 10, I mean, I think at one point Michigan played six straight quadrant one games you know, Houston, who's knocking on the door for a one seed, they've played three quadrant one games all year. And so it's, it's a tough schedule too. So for them to come out as outright big 10 champions, uh, you know, doing it on, on senior night against Michigan state, I got to think that's pretty, pretty going to be pretty memorable for the players uh, might be one of the highlights of, of their entire lives. Um, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool. So I thought it would be fun to go a little bit big picture and look at how the big 10 champion Michigan Wolverines were built. So thank you for listening. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Throw us a, a like. I don't know if there's a like button. Uh, throw us a, a nice rating. Subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Leave us a review if you like. Um, you know, Be sure to read all of our stories, including a story that will sound a lot like this over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.